Let's begin with a word of prayer. My prayer this morning, Father, is a simple one, that you would give me a heart for your word and a word for our hearts. Amen. Uh, When Vicki and I were in Scotland and Ireland this summer, taking her dream trip, by the way, we're taking my dream trip this summer, uh, we went, Alaska. We were supposed to, (laughs) well, if you buy a ticket. (laughs) So, um, we, for my 60th, we had planned to go to Alaska and we had a 14-day trip planned, land in Anchorage, go overland down to Denali, do the national park, out to the coastline and then down. But my 60th birthday was in 2020. So I guess we're celebrating my 64th birthday next, this year. Alaska's this year, right? Yes. Anyway, back to the sermon. We were in Dublin and uh, Trinity College is in Dublin and the, the Book of Kells is in Dublin. And we took a walking tour. I, I like when the guide tells you stories about where you were. There's a strong Methodist presence in Dublin. And then we came across this statue. And it was Oscar Wilde. Not about you, but I enjoy the writings of Oscar Wilde. And the guide stepped back and he said, you know, most everybody has a favorite quote. Does anybody have a favorite Oscar Wilde quote? Well, my wife looked at me because I'm me. And she said, go ahead. My favorite Oscar Wilde quote is, you can never be overdressed or overeducated. I like that. And other people shared theirs. And you might have your favorite quote from your favorite author. But (laughs) this week I was working with actually two students who are approaching their senior year and have so many balls in the air, (laughs) they don't know which one to pick. Should I be a music major? Should I be an engineer? Should I go to medical school? If I go to medical school, should I do ophthalmology or this or that? And they're just so many balls in the air. And I said, stop. Do you know who Lee Iacocca is? I should never ask those questions. But both of them said, who? Does anybody feel old? Anyway, I said, Lee Iacocca was a key designer on the Mustang. And he revived Chrysler Plymouth. Still, blank stare. I said, well, he wrote a book. It was called Iacocca. Now, the one said, ooh, how do you spell that? Well, I happen to be able to spell Iacocca, so I did. And in his whole book, there's one quote that almost everybody's heard, and you might remember it, you might not. But Lee Iacocca said that the secret to his success was to, the main thing was to keep the main thing the main thing. Now, that that sounds fairly obvious. If you're going to do one thing, you should do it well. But we live in a world of multitaskers, don't we? We've already got so many balls in the air. But I'd like to take that thought. Let's keep the main thing the main thing to today's message. Because there's a lot of rabbits we could chase. Now, if you want to come on Monday night to our Bible study, we chase rabbits all the time. Now, what does that mean? Theologically, you're working through a passage, and then somebody goes, oh, like, and then off we go. We chase that rabbit, and then we come back. We continue down until somebody else says, oh, and then we, that's what Bible study is for. But for a sermon, I don't like to chase a lot of rabbits. I like to keep the main thing, 
the main thing. So the first thing that pops out to most people is there was an evil spirit in church and Jesus cast it out. And for those of a certain age might remember movies like Rosemary's Baby and The Exorcist. And they sold millions of tickets and millions of books. And people are fascinated by evil. I recommend that you stay as far away from evil as you possibly can. But it fascinates people. But then I have to ask, do you really need a list of sin in the sermon? The seven deadly sins, we'll just wrap them up. We've got greed and lust, gluttony, pride, envy, anger, sloth. Do we need to review what sin is? I don't think so. You may have seen this. It's on churches a lot. It says, lead me not into temptation. I can find it on my own. <laughs> so <laughs> that's the point. Then you're supposed to chuckle. I like the other one that says, sign broken, message inside. <laughs> but where we're headed here is, as I prepare the message, the evil spirit is a rabbit. And we could chase the rabbit and we would have a very interesting sermon, but would it really accomplish what the main thing is? And I have to say, no. And since I write the sermons, we'll move on to the next point. Jesus was teaching, they said, with authority and a new teaching. So there's two possible rabbits there. One is the authority. So I heard this story and I have to share it with you. A man went to see a doctor about a headache. And a stern business-like nurse was behind the receptionist's desk. He says, I'd like to see the doctor. I have a headache. And the nurse said sharply, go to that room, close the door, and take off all your clothes. He said, but all I have is a headache. And with the authority that only comes from a nurse, because I'm married to one, she said, in that room, shut the door, take off all your clothes. So he went in, and he shut the door. And he took off all his clothes. And then he realized that there was somebody else in the room <laughs> who was also naked. And he said, he said, I, I can't believe I'm standing here like this and all I've got is a headache. And the other man said, you think you've got problems? I came here to read the meter. <laughs> but you've met him. Some people have that kind of authority. They say go <laughs> and you go. Jesus had that kind of authority because of his word, because of his teaching. But I have to say, I'm not so sure that his authority is the main thing. When Jesus spoke, people listened. Spirits listened. When Jesus spoke, hearts and lives were changed. But I'm not sure that's the main thing. So then, as the pastor, I'm, I'm running out of things to chase here. Is it the teaching? Now, there are times in Scripture when Jesus goes to the synagogue and they hand him the scroll, and we're told what he read, and we're told what he said. This one just says he was teaching. There's no parable. There's no beatitudes. There's no sermon on the mount. It just says that he was teaching. Well, that's a little frustrating. I can't jump on that message if I don't know what the message is. So I'm not so sure that the message Jesus spoke that day is the main thing. Now, hopefully you're where I was when I was preparing the message. I've gone through the whole story and I'm still looking for the main thing. And I think it's the last verse. Verse 28 says this, and at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region 
of Galilee. And I need to remind you that in the first century, there was no Instagram. There was no TikTok. There were no Facebook reels. There was no six o'clock newscast. We have to ask ourselves, how did the fame of Jesus get throughout the countryside? Well, sometimes we call it spreading the word or sharing the word or sowing the seed. But what they were really doing was celebrating Jesus. Hear this. Our Jesus is a powerful, miraculous, authoritative, sacrificial word of God incarnate. Our Jesus is a loving and is a loving enough to tell us when we're wrong, like the evil spirit. Our Jesus was sometimes angry and frustrated and judgmental towards uh, religious institutions that made God in their own image, and they had lost the message. Chuck Swindle, the pastor and writer, <laughs> tells this story about a commercial product put out one of the, by one of the largest department stores in the nation. It proved to be disastrously unsuccessful. It was a doll in the form of baby Jesus. It was advertised as being unbreakable, washable, and cuddly. It was packaged in straw with a satin ribbon and plastic surroundings and appropriate biblical texts were added here and there to make the scene complete. It did not sell. The manager of one of the stores in the department chain panicked. He carried out a last-ditch promotion to get rid of these dolls. He brandished a huge sign outside of the store that said, Jesus Christ, marked down 50%. Get him while you can. And that is the constant danger that we have, that they, we will remake Jesus into a meek, harmless figure, discounted 50%. If the main thing is spreading the word, we cannot, we should not, we ought not make the gospel more palatable for the unbeliever. The Bible says sin is sin. The Bible also says grace is grace. And the Bible says that Jesus died and rose, and theologically, you're either in or you're out. There is no gray in the middle of the gospel. So then I have to say, what has Jesus done for us lately as a congregation? Well, we mentioned it during the prayer time. We can say that we have seen 51 answers to prayer in a six-month period. Our God answers prayer. I don't know about you. I enjoy our worship. I enjoy the fellowship. Sometimes I get a little annoyed when the sign of peace goes on too long, but that's just my internal clock. It happens. But I would rather go to a church that fellowshiped and laughed and sang together and worshiped than a church where, well, what we call sometimes the frozen chosen. I'd like to think that we have challenging preaching and teaching. There's something to go home and tell your neighbor about. And we are part of the family of God. We care for one another. And if that's not enough to tell people what Jesus did in your life, you have the blessings. You have your families and your jobs and your homes and your health and a purpose. So then we have to ask, who have you told? How have you helped to spread the fame of Jesus throughout the countryside? And if you haven't told someone, then you have to ask, who will you tell? Well, Dr. Madison, you say, how do I start that conversation? You can't just walk up to somebody and go, 
do you know Jesus? They're going to run in the opposite direction. So a friend of mine encouraged his congregation to ask people, what do you think about Jesus? And let them tell you where they are. And then if they're people who care about good conversation and being polite, they're going to ask you, what do you think about Jesus? Start the conversation carefully. Or better yet, you could say, at our church, fill in the blank. We have Monday night Bible study. We have worship on Sunday. We have a covered dish dinner. And I would love for you to come and share it. Or better yet, maybe you have a favorite message. Now, if you go on to a Word for Our Hearts, my favorite is still um, a pocket watch, a pickle jar, and a petrol station. And... Uh, Whenever anybody asks, that's the one I tell them to head for. It's got some good stories in it and a good challenge at the end. If you hear a sermon that you like, share the link with that person. And then say, if you think he's funny on tape, you should come hear him live and watch how my church picks on him. Uh, that would be you picking on me. Here we go. Just ask, would you come to church with me some Sunday and maybe grab lunch after? I love it when George's son comes because I think he's having fun thinking about diners in the area. I mean, you got the Point 40. They make great liver onions and bacon, and they make chicken pot pie on Sundays. That's where Vicky likes to go. Yeah, hold it. But you got to define which chicken pot pie it is. I grew up with pot pie in a pie crust. Vicky grew up with what we would have called dumplings where they throw the pie crust in. That's what they make at the Point 40 on Sundays and Thursdays. But we're talking Sunday. Come to church with me and we'll hit the Point 40. If you don't like the Point 40, hit Harrison House. They make a great black and blue burger. They probably should pay me for advertising like this. But if, if you're not happy with that and you want a huge portion, and I mean one that you're going to have to cut and have to take home, go up to the Seven Sea Stars, whatever that one is, off of Route 55. We have diners everywhere. Come get a message, meet the family of God, go out to lunch afterwards. And I left that note there. Point 40 has chicken pot pie on Sunday. I actually wrote that in. So here we are again. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. And the main thing is if we want our church to be filled, if we want heaven to be filled with the people we love, we have to bring them to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. The main thing is telling people about Jesus and what he's done for you. Sometimes the Bible calls it fishing or inviting or sharing or sowing. But our church family grows when we are actively spreading the fame of Jesus. Now, if you have never made a decision for Jesus Christ, let me share with you something. I'm going to move this so I don't trip over it. Something that I, I read in a book called Christian Atheist by Craig Rochelle. Greg Rochelle says that there are three lines of faith that the church has. The first line of faith says, I'll believe in Jesus as long as it benefits me. And let's be honest, if you're a Christian, there are benefits to being a part of the family of God. <laughs> you have a place in heaven. You have a mansion prepared for you. You have the support and the love of a congregation. There are benefits to being a Christian. But that's not all there is. Craig says there's a second line of faith. And it says, I will believe in Jesus as long as it doesn't interfere with my everyday life. Very much like the remote control of the children's sermon. I'll, I'll give you this part and this part, but 
don't, don't really mess up my life. I'll believe as long as it doesn't interfere. And then the third line of faith is when you say, I'm going to live for Jesus 24-7. I want to be a part of the family of God full-time. Now, I did do that at a youth camp once, gave that, that call. And I, unbeknownst to me, one of the youth leaders put masking tape on the floor and had his kids self-diagnose. Where are you? And he challenged them, like Craig O'Shell is in the book, to step up to the next line of faith. Well, that's the question we really have to ask, is where are you on those three lines of faith, and are you willing to bring other people to walk that journey with you? I uh, had lunch with a pastor friend, a breakfast with a pastor friend recently, um, back to diners. <laughs> I like the Eggs Benedict up at the Seven Sea Stars, so we meet there. And he asked me what I thought about Christians identifying as sinners. And I said, sinners in need of grace. He says, well, no, just sinners. I said, no, we're sinners in need of grace. He said, but I don't like to think about what went behind. I only like to think about what's going ahead. And I said, if you're not thinking about where you came from, you won't appreciate where you're going. So whether or not you've made a decision for Jesus for 50 years or 80 years or one year, we often sometimes need to stop and do a checkup from the neck up and say, where am I? Am I in this for the right reasons, for the long haul, and who can I invite to come with me? Amen.